The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. We're continuing on this morning in our Accidental Pharisees series. So I actually got to be here a couple weeks ago to see the start of the series, so I was excited. Gabe called me a while back and was like, hey, you're not preaching anywhere yet. Can you come preach for me? I was like, I'd love to, man. So uh, it was great also because he gave me a great topic to, to preach on today. And actually, this is something that I can speak a lot about because I grew up um, a lot of my time as a Pharisee. And I'm going to start off actually kind of telling you, Matt and I, our dad is a pastor in Northeast Houston. So we grew up in the church. Uh, not only did we grow up in the church, we knew where everything was in the church. So it was like, hey, we need these four specific chairs from a closet on the other side of church. Matt and Ted, can you go get them? Because we were the ones that would set up. We were the ones that would tear down. You know, that's just kind of what comes along the journey of being the pastor's kid. And so along that journey, as I was getting older, as I was getting into high school especially, I was kind of thrust into leadership within our youth group. We had a leadership team that worked with the youth group, helped plan events, helped do Bible studies and things like that. And so I was kind of put into this position of being a leader, you know, and especially at that point, that meant a lot to me. I got to grow a lot. But what I really began to realize was through my time, I had built up kind of this lens that I looked through that I compared myself to others. And that lens was looking through and out to others and saying, well, I I do the don'ts. And if you've grown up in a Christian church, you know the don'ts. There are all kinds of don'ts. You don't do this, you don't do that. You, You know, all those kinds of things. And so as I grew up, I really had that down pat. I mean, the don'ts, I didn't do them. I wasn't out partying. I wasn't out Um, getting crazy. I wasn't pushing limits. You know, I tried to stay in the lines, but what happened was I started looking at my friends who were doing those things, and there was this judgmental is putting it lightly. It was I needed a way to feel good about myself, so I raised myself up by looking at the rules I followed versus what they were not following. And that was a lot of my formative years and that really was no one's fault I don't blame my parents I don't blame anyone outside of me that was me interpreting things and growing up but what happened was I stumbled into this accidental Phariseeism in fact if you look in Acts Paul actually gives his laundry list of why he is one of the best of the Pharisees and I could go back and give that list as to why I was one of the best But what happened was my senior year in high school, God used a moment in my life to really break in and show me what the gospel meant. To break in and show me what does it mean to live life as God's people within the gospel. And that moment has been forever defining me because I would call myself a relapsing Pharisee, that I kind of always have to be ready for it, that it doesn't just stop. Like every once in a while I'll catch myself My wife, every once in a while, will jab me and go, hey, quit it, Pharisee. And I'm like, thanks. That means a lot. I'm glad we're married and you can hurt my feelings for good. Um, But really, this this is an issue we have in the church in general. 
And, and what we're going to be talking about this morning is this legalism, this legalistic outlook that a lot of times we can mistakenly just fall into. Because what happens, and I love the title, Accidental Pharisee, it, it just sneaks up on us. If we're not aware, if we're not looking, what happens is the law, which is meant to do good, becomes more than it should. And so, let, let's pull that apart and define this idea of legalism. So legalism, kind of what I explained with myself of being a Pharisee, basically is mixing up definitions. So we have the law and the gospel in the Bible, and the law being that which condemns us, that which reminds us we're in need of a Savior, the gospel being we need a Savior. And what happens is legalism comes along and steals that definition. It basically crosses the wires. So what happens is instead of saying the law is showing us we need a Savior, the law starts becoming our Savior. It's like if you've got strep throat, you show up and the doctor swabs your throat and says, all right, that was the cure. You're going, no, listen, I need those antibiotics. If you've got a steroid, I'll take that too. Whatever, to shut this strep throat down. But that's what we do with the law. We take it, that test, that thing that shows us whether we are sick and when we are sick, and we make it the gospel. And that seems really kind of straight and clear and like, oh yeah, I got that. No problem, pastor. You can sit down. We're done. We got this. But the problem comes in that there are things we do for the church, for God, that can become legalistic. So we talk about different ways of, of serving God. The, the hot term right now is missional. We want to be missional. We want to join God on his mission. The problem is when missional becomes the point, we lose something. When missional becomes the gospel, we lose something. When you look at someone else and say, well, maybe they're not as good of a Christian as I am because, look at me, I'm out serving. I went to the fifth Sunday, what do we call it? The Sending Sunday. I went to Sending Sunday. Where were you chumps? Let's do this. You know, this is what I'm about. And so we can take something that's meant for good, but turn it so that it becomes our gospel, so that it becomes what we're about. I think every generation in the church struggles with something that becomes their issue of saying, we made this our gospel, and now we have to turn back and fight it. And I'm more and more convinced that my young generation of pastors, what we are going to have to fight the temptation to do is to make social justice our gospel. We want social justice to happen. We want to serve people. We want to help those who cannot be helped, who, who are far away. But if we make that the gospel, we lose what God is calling us to. Now, another thing is uh, there was a book that came out a couple years ago called Radical. It's by a pastor named David Platt, and it's gained a lot of traction. And the idea of the radical lifestyle is basically opposite to the idea of the American dream, of we've fallen so much into the idea of the American dream that now as Christians we have to pull ourselves out because we forgot that God is calling us to a radical lifestyle with our finances, with who we are, 
But the problem with this radical idea, and I've experienced this firsthand with some friends who have been into this, and um, actually I think I've heard Gabe preach on this before, is the idea that when we step out into this radical lifestyle, it's real easy to start judging people. Well, why would you decide to buy that? Don't you know there are hungry people everywhere? I mean, why, why would you even do that? Look at me. Look at who I am. I gave up my finances. Why can't you do that? You should be a better Christian like me. And then finally, one that's very easy, um, I think especially for pastors, for uh, church people to fall into is, well, hey, we've got the best theology. Ours is the best. And then, you know, we pay lip service. I, I know I've done this before, going, oh, yeah, well, Jesus loves you just as much as me. But then we kind of turn around to each other and go, yeah, but our Jesus is better. And we take this huge blessing of the faith and we make it what we're about. And those are just three examples of taking things meant for good, but instead we pull them away and say, no, this is what I'm about. Leave me alone. Now the trick is, there are two sides that pull us when we do that, when we fall into this trap of legalism. And the first side is, is an outward side. Is we look at other people, we are judging other people so that we can lift ourselves up. So this outward push is, look at you sinners, here I am, the righteous one. And I mean, if you go back and look at the Pharisees, we've nailed it. I mean, Phariseeism 101, we did it. But I think something, and I know I struggle with this, is the inward focus when we get into legalism, which is it will tear you up. I, to this day, struggle with the fact that there is, in fact, enough grace for me. Because I am a recovering Pharisee. I struggle with the fact that there might be enough grace for me that just because I'm a pastor, I'm a leader, that I have to know I have to dig my way out. Everybody else, man, they get that gospel, they get that grace, but no, not me. I gotta climb out of this ditch. I gotta try and dig myself out of my own hole. And that weight is oppressive. And it pulls you down and it pulls you further from the saving peace of the gospel because you see what legalism really does is it fights to steal your joy in being a son or daughter of Jesus in being a member of the body of Christ that is the key that the enemy is using to try and get us into legalism he wants us to be there because he knows we're not going to find that joy there he knows if he can get us there We're not focused on the gospel. We're not focused on what God is doing. Instead, we focus in on what we're doing and what others are doing, and we just can't find joy in what's happening around us. So if you've got a Bible or got a phone, we're going to go back to Galatians 3 again. And we're going to pull this apart. Um, So we start off in Galatians 3.1. Oh, foolish Galatians! And we're going to stop there. Because insert, O foolish Leanderans, O foolish Axites, O foolish Ted. I can say O foolish Matthew because I've seen many foolish Matthew moments. Um, 
although vice versa. Um, but I love, as Paul writes this, because he's not pulling punches. And I love when he calls people fools, because he's like, come on, guys, let's do this. Didn't, I, didn't we just cover this? But so, see, as Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, oh, foolish Galatians, he's writing because isn't that what we are? I mean, why do we, ha- why do we need church every Sunday? Because about six days a week, we remember, oh gosh, I'm a fool, aren't I? I was writing this sermon, and I was writing it in an old journal my wife had given me in college, and I made the mistake, I don't know if you've ever made this mistake, of reading old journal entries. And I went back, and I was like, man, I am lame. Like, just, just all that stuff, especially being on the married side, reading how much I wrote about, like, dear Lord, I'm struggling with this girl today. And it's like, man, did I have anything else in my life before that point? But it it really showed me my own foolishness and how much I've grown. But Paul gets this. Paul gets that we are people, that our tendency is to run astray. It isn't in our original nature to stay and sit at the feet of Jesus. Our nature is to be foolish. So let's keep going. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It is before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of law or by hearing with faith? Did you receive the Spirit by works of law or by hearing faith? Hold on to that. Keep that in your mind. Are you so foolish? There again. Perfect. Thank you, Paul. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, and you are now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? When we run to legalism, when we run to those things that are away from the gospel to be our gospel, we are not living in the spirit. Because living in the spirit isn't really something you do, it's something that just happens. If we go back to to John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me will bear much fruit. I don't know about you guys, but abiding is not like a three-mile run. Abiding is sitting in a hammock and chilling out. You don't do when you abide, you just abide. And so what Paul is telling us here as he speaks to the Galatians is to pull from that and say, what have you done to gain the Spirit? The answer is nothing. The law does not bring the spirit of God. The law does not bring that saving grace. The saving grace is brought through hearing and the spirit moving in our lives. And so we have this moment where we have to admit when we see legalism in our lives, we just have to say, oh, you fool. And that's okay. Because when you get to the point of going, oh, you fool, you're starting to repent. You're starting to turn back to the source of saving grace. You're starting to turn back to that thing which brings life instead of the law, 
which shows us our flaws and our iniquities. Now we can't leave it there though because we talked about being missional, being radical, having this deep faith rooted in good theology because those are not bad things. If you leave here today going, I'm not going to the next Sending Sunday because that's being a Pharisee. Gabe will never ask me back here. So if any of you say that, I will deny you. I will so heartily deny you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, oh, going out and serving, that's legalistic. Sitting and abiding on my couch, watching Netflix, that's the gospel. Wrong. All right? This is about, about those things, but those things are not the end goal. So, all right, we're going to flip to Ephesians. And if, if you've been in church for a while, you've heard this verse. If you're new to church, man, this is going to be good. So this is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. All right, you did nothing. By grace you have been saved. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. So there's no getting around that. By grace you have been saved. You didn't do it. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Because that's the bottom line. When we fall into legalism, that's the issue. The issue is that we want to boast about it. We want to get that spotlight on us to say, hey, look at how good we're doing. Look at how righteous I am. Look at how great I am at following God. I help the homeless. I set up for church. I just came from seminary. Let me tell you, there's some things that you go, man, you think you're righteous right now, brother? Let's sit down and have a talk. (laughs) Because it's all about, well, do you know how much I know? And I'm not a book person, so I'm like, you probably know more than me. Because I'm dumb. I'm foolish. But then we get to verse 10, which turns this a little bit on its head. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So doing is a part of this life. So how can we do but not be legalistic? Well, it comes back to that idea of joy. Because you see, the the issue we have a lot of times is we say, God has forgiven us, he has saved us, that is the gospel. Now we go out and thank him by doing this work. But the truth is, God has saved us in the gospel. He has changed who we are, and he invites us to come alongside of him. God could have saved us, could have sent Jesus to die for us, and said, nope, you're riding the bench. We're here, we made it, you guys just hang out until I come again. You No, just sit down. But instead of that, God says, no, I am the giver of all good gifts. I love in James, um, it says, the father of lights, which is just a brilliant title for God. The father of lights is the giver of all good gifts. And I love that it's gifts, plural. Because the more time I spend growing in my faith, the more I learn more and more that God does not stop giving. Because what he has done is he has gifted us with the law to show us that we are in need of grace. 
So we need that saving grace. We need Christ to come, renew our relationship with God, restore us so that we can be one with him again. But it doesn't stop. He moves us down the line and says, and now I want you to have life to the fullest. I want you to live in that joy. I want you to have joy where you are. Now notice joy, not happiness. Joy is a very different thing from happiness. There will be points when you have joy that you are happy and there will be points when you have joy and you are not. Scripture tells us that Jesus comes to the cross for the joy at the cross. He took that for us. So joy can hold many different emotions, but joy is for our growth. So what happens is instead of being legalistic, we look and say, I have been redeemed, I have been saved. And Jesus has placed things in my life. The Spirit is moving and pushing me and it is going to lead to joy and fullness in my life. And for some of us, that is going to take on a very missional-minded attitude. Because what we're going to look and see is that if there is this grace and I have been redeemed and God is inviting me on mission, how can I not join him in that? If God who cared for me so much would send his son, how can I not step out where he invites me to be more than I am, but to be a part of his kingdom moving forward? There will be points where we realize in our grace, we don't have to seek after riches, but instead can give ours away. Because God has called us for joy to live for him. There will be points where we can rejoice in how deep and long and wide this faith is. That it encounters all situations and it encompasses all situations and God continues to help us learn to connect our heads with our hearts and so it is for joy that we do these things. But when it becomes an act that we have to do, it becomes legalism. And so there's a simple prayer you can say when you start feeling that coming on. And I learned this from another preacher, but I thought it was brilliant, um, is to pray the prayer, Lord, show me how this will lead to my joy. Because you see, we have the law, which shows us we're in need of a savior. We have the gospel, which gives us that savior and what we need. But then we have this new obedience that God is calling us deeper and deeper into relationship with him. And he, he is the master, he is the creator, we are his workmanship, and we're not done. And I don't know if you've ever created something, built something, but it takes time, and it takes sometimes a little bit of violence and breaking to make things happen. Think about woodworking or building a chair. The craftsman is constantly cutting away until it becomes the work that he wants it to be. So you see, we live in the gospel because we are the workmanship. And so as the workmanship, God is continually saying, you know, I'm going to take this from your life so you can have more joy. And it's not about the people around you. It's not about how great you can sustain and gain 
your salvation. It's about saying, no, you are my creation. You are my workmanship. And I'm gonna keep creating and loving you. So when it comes to that point, just sit back and pray, Lord, show me how this leads to my joy. Because when we're focused on the joy God is setting in front of us, it takes away that legalistic lens. Because we go, God, I see how this is for my joy. And that joy can only come from you. And I can only be in relationship with you because of what your son has done for me. So a real life example. Um, I love food. I feel like that's pretty clear as I stand in front of you right now. Um, But also, I come from a family that uh, has heart disease and things like that in the background. And so right now, one of the things that God is working in my life um, and pushing and for my joy is that my wife and I are really working to work out, to eat well, and to give up those things. But the truth is what had happened was food had become an idol for me and that's a whole nother sermon that we could be here for like six hours. So just food is an idol. We're just gonna put it right there and we're gonna move on. But what I have to pray is wake up in the morning praying. We're doing this thing where it's like, it's actually great and we can eat all kinds of stuff, but it's like no breads, um, no processed sugars, things like that. And let me tell you, pizza is a steady diet. Like, and so there, there were points where I was like, we're starting this and I'm going, oh my gosh, I can't eat pizza. And then it gets ridiculous and it's like, who am I without pizza? And uh, at that point I realized, all right, God, I've got some issues I need working on in my heart. Um, but I'm trying to wake up in the mornings as we do this and pray, Lord, show me how this is for your joy. So that when it succeeds, when you move, I can say, listen, I, I did not do this. This was not me. This was God saying, you are my workmanship and I'm going to keep crafting you over and over and over. And so that at some point I can point back and say, listen, I would probably be dead and in the ground if it weren't for a savior who cared enough to say, I want you to keep going. I want you to find joy in this life. I want you to find joy in being in the outdoors. And I want you to do that to its fullest. So that area in my life God is pushing me and saying, I'm going to cut you back for your joy. And I don't know what that is in your life. I don't know where God is working, where he's trying to take something away to say, let me show you how this is for joy. But don't let the enemy come in and say, oh yeah, this is what you gotta do to be loved. This is what you gotta do to be redeemed. That is not true. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that you did nothing and he did everything and he is enough but he wants to keep working so that you can live in joy. So pray that prayer. Lord, teach me how this leads to my joy. Because when you live in that, you'll start seeing your frame of mind shift because it's not about you and what you're doing. It's about the kingdom at work through you and how Jesus is at work changing your life and the people around you. because he wants to be involved in who you are. So legalism would tell us, no, don't take joy. Blame yourself. You can't be forgiven. The gospel says, the law is gonna show you. 
It's going to be a mirror for when you mess up. It's going to be a curb to keep you in the safe zone. But it's going to bring you back to the gospel so that you can be forgiven and so that I can continue to make me, make you my workmanship. That's what God keeps telling us over and over. And when that law curbs us and shows us what's wrong, we just return to our identity in Christ. We return to the fact that through the gospel, we have that relationship. So just the simple prayer, Lord, show me how this leads to my joy. And I guarantee you, he is going to work through his spirit to change your life as you live in the gospel. Thank you for listening to this podcast for Max Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axchurchleander.com.